You heard me say it, and I believe it wholeheartedly, that if you lead with identity, everything else will follow. But I've had the experience in my work of coming in contact with individuals who want what follows, but aren't willing to lead with identity. It used to bother me and I could not figure out why they did not want to lead with identity. Then it dawned on me that people think that doing identity work means that you're broken. When in fact, it has nothing to do with brokenness and it's not an attempt to fix you. Identity work is about coming in alignment with who you are and not fixing, but honoring who you are and building a brand that is most authentic to who you are. So if you're ready to leave with identity and become a supernormal superstar, visit YourSupernormal.com right now and let's do the work. Blog Talk Radio. Like a small boat on the ocean, sending big waves into motion. Like how a single word can make a heart open. I might only have one match, but I can make an explosion. And all
welcome to Transformation Radio. Tonight's introduction song was Fight Song by Rachel Platt, and we're going to talk about that a little later in the interview. But my name is Clifton Pettyjohn. I am a purpose strategist, author, transformation coach, and now the host of Transformation Radio. I provide ventilation through coaching, speaking, and consultation. Again, I welcome you to Transformation Radio. Now, this show will serve as an extension of my endeavors to spread the message of living a holistic and transformed life through the discovery and execution of your life purpose. We thank Yvonne Mason and the Off the Chain family for this great opportunity. This show will be a safe space and a platform for those who have been marginalized or overlooked for whatever reason to come and share their stories of transformation and efforts to encourage and inspire our listening audience. With that said, please understand that our guests will be diverse and their views and opinions on life may differ from mine and yours. I ask that we keep an open mind with the understanding that at the end of the day, we can all agree to disagree. And if we listen from a place of growth and unity, we can all learn from each other. At some point throughout the show, I'm going to open the phone lines for those who have questions or comments concerning the topics we are discussing. All right? Please understand that those calls need to be limited to one minute or one to two minutes at a time. The call-in number is 516-387-1756. Again, 516-387-1756. Now, without further ado, I want to introduce tonight's guest. On this show, I will never read a guest bio. The only reason why is is because I want the audience to be introduced to the guest from the interview. Tonight's guest has an amazing story. He is the visionary of the Ignite Movement, which is headquartered in Columbus, Ohio. So I feel like maybe we should just change the name of tonight to Friday Night Ignite. What do y'all think about that? I think that's what we're going to do. So like please that. help me welcome James Triplett to the show. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hey, listen, that song that y'all started off with, that's my song. A shout-out to Anita Snatch here in Columbus, Ohio, one of the premier drag queens that did that song by using ASL. Uh, that song brought me to tears, and I saw her do that. So shout-out to you for picking that song, Fight, and shout-out to Columbus, Ohio. O-H? Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, welcome. We welcome you to Transformation Radio. And, yes, that song, we're going to talk about it later in one of the questions in the interview. But, yes, that song means so much to me, especially when it's talking about that fight. still have a lot of fight left in me. All right. I love it. We're excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to be here, Clinton. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) It's so amazing Definitely. to be able to share my test, share my story with everyone. I just love it. Yes, yes, yes. So I want to start out with you telling us a little about yourself. Well, I'm 35, um, born and raised in the Midwest. I'm from Michigan originally, uh, southwest Michigan. Uh, most people probably know, like, been the Harbor, Grand Rapids area, in that area. Um, born and raised there. I've lived a little bit over 
about five or six places in this country so far. I've got a little more to go. I've been in Indiana, uh, in the home of Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame University. I lived in okay. Chicago for a little bit. I lived in North Carolina and South Carolina. Now I'm here in Columbus, Ohio. So, yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So you've had a lot of experiences throughout those transitions in your life, correct? <laughs> Absolutely. If, if anything in my life is a constant, it's transition. I definitely understand that. Now I want to ask you a question concerning uh, your personal life story of transformation. I want to hit it from the personal side and from the ministry side. Uh, I want well, to hear – go ahead. No, go ahead, man. I'm just yeah, I was just saying I want to hear both perspectives. Okay. Well, personally, um, I'm a product of adoption. Uh, I was adopted okay. twice. My first adoption, I was – uh, I think they said 14 months old, so I don't remember that. Um, okay. But I was adopted the second time around 12 or 13. Uh, and so those were very pivotal uh, moments of transformation for me. Um, so I've had actually three legal names. I've had my biological name, my first adoptive name, and then my second adoptive name. The second one I was actually able to choose myself because I was of age to to, to know it. Uh, so those were part of my natural transition. I was married. Uh, I've been divorced. I uh, was married for seven years and uh, been divorced almost that same amount of time. I think I'm around five years now divorced. Uh, as far as ministry, I've been uh, almost every position in the church. I've been mm-hmm. in multiple churches, black, white, um, Puerto Rican, uh, Baptist, mm-hmm. um, four square gospel. I don't know if anybody know that. Uh, oh, yeah. Not I was a part of a church that was um, actually connected to the um, House of Prayer in Kansas City. Uh, okay. And then I was part of a movement that was connected to Bethel in Redding, California. So a lot of diversity there. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I've been doing a lot in my little life. So. All, right. All right. Now, I, can we can we go back to where you were talking about being adopted twice? Um, yeah. How how has that affected you in your life, or uh, how how do you personally feel about that, and all of you know everything that's tied into that? Absolutely, that's a that's a wonderful question, and it's a question I look at daily in my life. Um, adoption has um, really um, been something that has molded my life. I believe in the spirit of adoption, um, which is why one of my one of my Names for God is Abba Father, because I believe mm-hmm. in the spirit of adoption, and he talks about that. But adoption was good and bad for me. Um, when I was younger uh, in my adoption, I had a, a brother who was uh, light-skinned and younger than me. He was mixed. And so my mother was light-skinned. She was from Mississippi, uh, but she was uh, light-skinned. You know, they, they used to call her red bone. Uh, so she yeah. she knew the privileges of being light skinned from down south. When then my father was a darker man, uh, a little bit darker than my complexion, and so he was he was considered um, a good man because he found him a light skinned woman. And so I was mm-hmm. able to see there the disparity that it was even in with our own culture about color. And um, mm-hmm. I was able to talk to my my brother about how his grandmother didn't want him only because he was a uh, what she called a half breed, uh, not okay. because of 
that she wasn't able to take care of him well, was because um, her granddaughter went out and, and got with the black boy. Uh, so I was able to see race and culture there. My mother, she was very um, intentional about making sure that I was around uh, our Caucasian uh, persuasion more than the blacks. She wanted me to be raised in what she said was a good life. And so mm-hmm. that was a very culture shock when I went to my second home, my adopted home, and they were all black. It, it wasn't a, a look of uh, a look of light skin or white in there. They was black. Like um, the colloquial term would be almost ghetto black. And mm-hmm. I met um, M- Michael Jackson for the first time because my first family was churchy. So we was raised old school churchy God in Christ. I've never seen my mother in a pants. I never seen my mother in short sleeves, you know. I, I never yeah. seen, I, you know, that was that was. She never wore uh, uh, red colored lipstick, you know, none of that. And mm-hmm. so when I got to the second home, I saw a um, a, a young lady who had a child out of wedlock. I saw um, a single mother raising kids. I saw a multitude of different people in the foster home with me that wasn't raised from my background. So it was a very Big culture shock, and at the same time, I was uh, dealing with my sexuality and realizing that I that I was uh, that I was queer, and so that I enjoyed the the presence of uh, other uh, young men uh, around me, and so all of this was was coming together at the same time of this this transformation and this transition in a pivotal and a developmental time in my life. I was twelve years old. I was just entering into puberty. I was just entering into going into junior high, high school. And I remember walking the floor uh, during the foster time where my mother, my first mother, they gave up their rights. Um, They said they didn't want me anymore. And I used to pray to God because I knew God then too. And I used to say, God, I'll be better if, if, uh, if they take me back, I I won't, I won't be bad anymore. And I remember those prayers to this day and how they still haunt me. Uh, because as I'm looking into my life, anything that that I mess up on, and I think I talked about it a little bit in the video, that I automatically assume that it's something that I've done, and I go to that place and say, I'll fix it, so um, I, and it'll be better. Um, but I think the good thing about the adoption spirit is um, I have made family wherever I went. I've met people who have like minds and like spirits, those who are downtrodden, those who need a chance. And I have adopted them and, 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 and gathered them close to me. Um, I have two spiritual, I have three spiritual kids, um, a son, a daughter, and a child that is uh, non-gendered. And so it is a blessing for me to be able to pour into their lives and understand the spirit of adoption and be 100% there um, like they're better than blood. Um, one of the things I did learn, uh, the, the colloquial saying, um, what is it? Uh, blood is thicker than water. Uh, mm-hmm. That actually has nothing to do with family. Has nothing to do with familiar mm-hmm. ties. It's actually a thing to do with covenant. And okay. because the blood in the in the covenant um, meant that they would share blood together when they mixed the covenant. A covenant was the cutting of blood. Uh, mm-hmm. Every time that Jesus um, talked about covenant in the scripture, every time God represented covenant in the scripture, there was a shedding of blood. Um, and we realized that water was actually similar to a birth. So blood mm-hmm. being covenant brothers are 
is better than a birth brother. And I have adopted that, and that has been my seance. That has been the thing that I repeat over to myself over and over again, that I don't need to have a blood family. I need to have a covenant with someone, and the covenant with someone is better than just being part of a DNA family. That's good, and I remember, I remember growing up, um, I didn't mean to cut, well, you finished, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you did. Go ahead. I, I remember talking. growing up when uh, it was a time where we would call each other blood brothers and, like, you would cut, like, a part of your finger and they cut part of your finger and y'all, we would join the fingers together. Maybe nobody else did that. But I remember that during those times. Yeah. And that's the whole concept that I've adopted as well is uh, from that covenant level of understanding. It. And I think that's a lot in ministry as well. Um, you do have the the extreme side of it. But what I like about what you said was, um, you know, you went through all of these things, and it could have turned out uh, to have a full negative effect on you. But you see, you in ministry, you see where what you went through now has enabled you and empowered you to be able to pull in those that are going through those same similar things and give them a different Outlook and a different opportunity, and and that's that's the power of transformation. I love that. So, I love that. So that's that's really what it's about. And the, the problem is, we never can see through the eyes of transformation. We never can see through the eyes of grace. Uh, and I was talking to one of my brothers down uh, in North Carolina today, and I was I was uh, admonishing him to deal with what comes up, deal with the the problems and the concerns that comes up in his life because there's always good that can come out of a situation. Um, one, yeah. of my, one of my leaders, uh, Antoine in, in, in Atlanta, he always says, you always can find a silver lining in a cloud. Well, baby, the only reason why I can is I've been through so many clouds. Like, yeah. there was sometimes I didn't know there was going to be a, a better day. You know, I was – uh, when I when I was moved to my second home, I was starved. So I was five eleven uh, at twelve years old, and I was weighing eighty eight and a half pounds. I was literally mm-hmm. starved. My mother was uh, early onset Alzheimer's. She forgot to feed me, and so mm-hmm. now I have to deal with and and even even be transformative in my thought process when it comes to food. You understand because. Mm-hmm. There's still that thing in me that's saying if there's no food in the house, you're gonna starve. And so I can understand when when I see people who ain't got no food, I understand the fear, the, the primal fear that comes into a person that says I ain't got no food, I'm going hungry. I'm not. I'm less than a human. I'm not uh, a factor to society because my my the, the needs that I have are not being met. And see, one of the problems that I have in ministry, and, and, and I'm going to stop, but one of the problems that I have in ministry is that we want to talk a good game, but we haven't experienced what it is to be in a place of brokenness. To be in a place where you don't know where your meal is going to come from. You don't know where you're going to live. I remember being homeless. It, this is not a thought, this is not a, a, a thought process that I have supposed could have happened. I've been homeless. I've been without food. I have scrounged up and got changed together to go get me a, 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 a loaf of bread and a pack of bologna because I know that's going to last me for a little bit. I understand what it is to be without. And so that's why when I see someone that's in that same situation, I am moved with compassion like Jesus was, not because I'm better than them, but 
but because I understand that one mistake, one misstep, or one chance can have me in the same place they're in. Listen, I, I totally agree with you. I've been there, you know, as well. And one of the things that you said before you, we, we came on, and it's, it's what I live by as well, is I never speak about anything that I haven't experienced firsthand. Come on. I, I, ne- I, I never do that. I'm not going to give you a false sense of hope. When I come to you and I explain to you that God will provide, it's because I know <laughs> I know, I and I've seen him do it. I, I know that thing, as the woman said, I know for myself. You know, I know that thing, and and that's why, and, and I hope the audience can understand, this is why I have him on tonight, because it's the experiences that we go through that sometimes it feels like there's no way, no hope, no how. I can't even, it's not even about seeing tomorrow. I can't even see myself five minutes from now. This but is. if you can just endure through that. There's purpose wrapped up inside of it. Listen, I want to make sure I give the phone number out as well. Again, you can call in at 516-387-1756. Again, 516-387-1756. Now, I do want to go back to a statement that you made where you said, I'll fix it and it will be better. Or I'll fi- I-, I won't be bad anymore. I won't yeah. be bad anymore. And, you know, being in ministry, and even outside of ministry, because I've worked in the school district as well with uh, children that have been uh, labeled with uh, behavior problems or uh, problems, uh, learning disabilities as well. And I found a lot of that mentality, like, I have to earn your love. And if if I do right, I will earn your love. Now, from the ministry perspective, how do you minister to somebody with that mindset that they have to earn God's love? I've only I I've been there. Um, mm-hmm. The reason why I was married, um, I knew I was gay I, since the beginning. I knew I was a queer person since the beginning. Um, my ex-wife knew. I told her she witnessed me go through my struggles, but I knew I was called to ministry, so I I wanted to please God. I fight my by fighting, by destroying my flesh, by despising my flesh. And mm-hmm. I, I got married, and I tussled mm-hmm. with that for seven years. Um, I, I, I became a hermit. I stopped watching TV. Uh, there's been many times, even in my younger life, where I have literally cut the cord of the TV. I was a devout uh, person who believes that you got to starve it out of your system. So now, mm-hmm. when the message of grace. I understand that. I understand when you say God can't love me because of this is what I did, and that's what I did, and this is what I did, because I was there. And I actually denounced God. A lot of people don't know. They'd be like, oh, James been in church all his life. That's the truth. But James walked away. And when James walked away, he walked away for real, because I said, if this is really God, he just wants me to go to hell. He has mm-hmm. made up his mind that before he created me on this earth, he's going to send me to hell. He made me a Judas. He just said, you just going to walk this life, and I'm just going to laugh at your calamity, and I'm going to send you to hell. That's the, that's the God that to me. That's the God that you made me to believe. But then I had an encounter with God when I wasn't mm-hmm. looking for him. I had an encounter mm-hmm. with God when I wasn't searching for him. I remember being mm-hmm. in the club who would walk up to me and ask me about the Bible. 
They didn't know I knew God. I was in the military. I went to the uh, to the army uh, between my junior and senior year of high school. I was in the uh, reserves, and I was all the way in um, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. No one knew me, and I said to myself, "I said I'm gonna go down here. I'm gonna hide. I ain't gonna say nothing about Jesus. Ain't nobody gonna know that I'm a preacher. I'm just gonna be buck wild. I'm gonna be myself." And I had people come up to me with an open Bible asking me, what does this mean? And I asked God, I said, I don't understand because, you know, how do they know who I am? I don't understand because I have said that you can't exist because if you exist, yeah, you made me to be who I am or you're not healing me from being who I am, then you must hate me. And I I cannot reconcile my spirituality and my sexuality. And so one night... um, the Lord came to me on on Valentine's Day. I was sitting on the floor in Lansing, Michigan, uh, right around the, the, the corner from uh, uh, Michigan State University, one of the most liberal colleges in the area. And um, a gay couple was in the house with me, a couple gay couples in the house who was having, you know, drinks. And they said, how can you love a God that hates you? And I began oh, to talk about the love of God. And I was sitting on the floor, and one couple left, and then the other couple got up and said, we got to go because you almost think you believe that this God that you believe in is real. And I went home, and I laid in my bed, and I said, God, I know you. I don't know man, but I know your voice. And from then on, I told uh, Shaquan, I said, uh, uh, I said they can tell me that I'm not a preacher, I might believe them. They can tell me I'm not a bishop, I might believe them. They can tell me I can't sing, I might believe them. But they cannot tell me I don't know the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Because when I was looking for him, he found me. When I was in despair, when you talked about earlier in, in your talk, you said that you can't even see hope five minutes away from you. Let me tell you how I feel. As a child, I was asking God to wake up out of a dream. Because I thought that the calamity, I thought that the abuse that I was dealing with in my life was because I was in a nightmare. And that one day I would wake up and my mother would be in the kitchen cooking and everything would be all right. Mm. I prayed for myself to wake up. I prayed for myself to be to, uh, to fall asleep and die so that I would not have to deal with the pain and not knowing that there's going to be a tomorrow. Uh, one of my mentors said to me, he was like, uh, you have... You uh you have uh no hope. Your hope has been deferred, and that's mm-hmm. why your heart is because the scripture says hope deferred makes the heart sick, and it just means that you have no hope. Have you ever looked at somebody and you just don't see any hope in them? They have just given up. I understand what that feels like, and if it had not been for just a small glimmer of God, every every in the nick of time, I'll be walking down the streets. And he'll blow his breath over me, and I'll feel his love, and I'll hold him just another second longer. I know what that is. And so if I can ignite a small glimpse of hope in somebody else, if I can whisper in somebody else's ear and say, hey, hey, you know that God that they said hates you? No, baby, he loves you, and he is waiting on you to open up. You can be, you can be mad. You can curse him. You can cry. You can run. But he just wants to love you. If I can give that to a generation that felt like me, that how can this God that created me hate me so much that I'm doing right now? And that's what Ignite Movement, that's where Ignite Movement was birthed from. Because all we are 
is ambassadors of love. If I can if I can set you on fire, the fire will burn by itself. The love of God will grow in me in your heart. All I gotta do is get it in there. All I gotta do is get just a just a a, a spark of God's love in you. <laughs> and then that spark will, will burn and it will, it will burn everything out of you that's not that 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 will cause you to feel like you're unloved and he will enter in and he will suck with you. He will break bread with you. He, Abba, the loving one, will come and wrap his arms around you. All you have to do is look up. Look up and see that he's here. He is standing right in front of you. That's my message. <laughs> hey, I get Listen. I, told, I understand. I'm over here trying to stay still myself because you hit something. You were talking about that love, and I, I think that has been my number one mission in ministry uh, for about the last six years now is to get people to understand the true love of God and yeah. to love, to understand that he's not mad with you, mad with you. Yeah. And I did, I'm going to tell you, I did not realize how hard it was to get us to understand that he was not mad with us until I faced the reality that I was living life as if he was mad with me. I was believing that he was, he was mad with me. But you segue right into what I wanted to talk about next. I wanted to talk about the Ignite Movement. And I wanted to talk about the mission and the vision of Ignite Movement and how did it come about. You kind of started a little bit talking about it, but can you go into yeah. details concerning the Ignite Movement, how it all got started? Well, you, you, you talked about the mission. The, the mission is uh, we exist to show the true radical nature of Jesus' love. That's all we're here for. And my personal mission in life is to connect uh, connect people to the love of God. And so when I first started way, 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 way back, uh, you were talking about transformation. Ignite Movement has gone through some transformation. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the mission has always been the same, but the name, the, everything has changed. It's, it's totally brand new. It's post-op. You know, it's a whole new it's a whole new woman. And so when it started, it started just because I saw um some young men and women who had gifts of God in their lives, but they did not have a platform um to use them. And so because they didn't have a platform to use them, they were ill equipped when the enemy came. Uh they were ill equipped to, to to bring um the love of God to everyone. So I just started you know, I thought it was a youth ministry time. <laughs> and then it matriculated everywhere I went. Uh, we became a revival. Uh, uh, we became a group of revivalists. Uh, we would go into places and sing and pray. Uh, we would uh, we would stir up gifts. We would ignite um, uh, uh, fires again. We would, re- we would uh, hold revivals. Uh, we would go into churches, and we would, um, we would uh, be like um, – that's the word I'm trying to use, like transplants. So we would go mm-hmm. to churches and fill in empty holes. Like if you didn't have a minister of music, we'll yeah. go and you'll be, we'll be your minister of music. And we'll raise up someone within your local church that will take over when we leave. Um, and so, at the, so then I went, <clears throat> after my divorce, I got really serious about doing ministry, uh, which is funny because I was doing ministry all my life, but after my divorce, I got really serious. So I moved to Chicago. <laughs> I met Shaquan and uh, uh, their fiance at the time, and they were building Wild Chicago. And I was like, 
that is the culmination. I didn't know that that was my spiritual child at the time because I, I didn't I didn't realize who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we move and we do, but we don't realize who we are. Um, but mm-hmm. I was in Chicago, moved to the city, and I started uh, helping Shaquan build the church. And uh, I went to went to look for jobs. I was in Chicago. You know, I got a lot of management experience. I got 20 years in quick service restaurant experience. So I got a lot of management experience. Um, went to places and I was trying to apply for jobs. Uh, couldn't get a hit. Couldn't get a hit as a person. Went to mm-hmm. Jimmy John's. Qualified to actually build a Jimmy John's from the from you know all the systems because I'm certified by Jimmy himself. Um, okay. And I walked in the place, and, and I had an interview. I was so excited. I walked in the place, and, and the guy looked at me and said, oh, no. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't want to hire you. You're the wrong one. And I said, what? And I walked out, and I stood on, uh, I think that was Halstead I was standing on. I stood on Halstead, and I said, God, what is going on? He says, the spirit of this area is trying to evict you. Mm. area. And I said, who were the possible? Anybody else? <laughs> degrees and the, and the you know the shirts and the and the collars and the, I'm, uh, and so so I told God there and watch this I told God there that what He said to me was not good enough. Got to be careful. Mm. The the call on the the call unclean what God has called holy. And so we we walked and we matriculated in that and um um the Lord woke me up one day and said I want to teach you how to be a bishop and I called um, Apostle Sims. In South Carolina, and I and I asked him what was the difference between an apostle and a bishop, and uh, mm-hmm. and he uh, he said when well, he talked to me about it, he was like, "Come down and I'll and I'll train you on how to be a bishop." And so I thought, you know, once again, that I need to follow God, which I did follow God, but God's following was a lesson for me because uh, He was mm-hmm. teaching me to trust Him and not trust men. Two years, and the Lord taught me how to be a bishop. Actually, taught me that I was already a bishop. Taught me that I was already an apostle. Uh, apostle Sim mm-hmm. um, uh, brought out things in me that I never thought that would be brought out. Brought out some healing in me. Uh, when I was down there, my my uh, second adopted mother passed away. So by that time, I had lost two mothers, a father, and an older sister uh, in a span of I think maybe five years. Mm. Um, so every like every maternal and paternal uh, person in my life now is past, um, and I had to stay down there because it was middle of winter time and there was a storm. And if and and the apostle said you can go back, but if you go back, you're not going to come back again. And I knew he was mm. right, and um, so I stayed until the Lord released me. When the Lord released me, he said, "So you're going to go and do." You gonna go and sit under another man again, or you gonna go do what I tell you to do? Mm. And uh, I said, "Well, I'm gonna do what you told me to do this time." And so I came up to Columbus, and everyone who I had walked away from uh, because of my seemingly obedience to God or, or my willingness to be okay in man's eye and and get a, a title or get a or get a a, a stamp of approval. Well, mm. I never left. They were standing and they were waiting on me because they knew God in me. It didn't matter to them what my title was. It didn't matter to them how big my collar was. It didn't matter to them 
where I was wearing silver or gold cufflinks. It didn't matter to them what color my shirt was. All that matters to them is when they when I spoke, they heard God. Mm-hmm. When I spoke in eyes, something changed. When I spoke, I I met Chris, uh, my spiritual son, four years before Chris ever became a pastor. And I said, "You're a pastor," and Chris didn't believe me. And Chris is a pastor. <laughs> you understand what I mean? So they knew God, and they were willing to wait for me to walk through my, once again, another transformation. And so when I came back, that birth Ignite movement, um, I worked on a little bit down south um, with Apostle Sims, and uh, he helped me to write the vision. I got a team vision for it. And the amazing thing, Clifton, is everything that's on this vision is coming to pass without me having to run it. I believe it. What? And it's blowing my mind, because I'm not the one. I'm not the one that's so high. It might be like, oh, I did that. No, no. All I mm-hmm. do is call out to the Lord. I tell people all the time. I tell all my leaders. I tell all my leaders to listen. Um, um, I read Nadia uh, Bolt's um, uh, Weber book, and she said when when she was called to be a pastor, people thought that she was in such a a mighty place in God. And she said, no, no, baby. She said, I'm the one that looks around in the room and said, hell, I go first. That's all it is. I just want to interject real quick. 
I see that so much, and I experienced that myself as well. In my book, I write about uh, the importance of spiritual fathers and mothers and mentors, but I also talk about the danger of it when that mentor, that father or mother hasn't been processed. So they end up, it's kind of like the person who grew up and wanted to be a professional athlete, but they never quite made it, so they have a child, so now they want to live their dream through that child. I yeah. call it an infectious an infectious identity versus a, a actual identity. Like you become a second virgin, version of them and don't even realize that that's what you become. Listen, so man. how do you – I'm sorry? No, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing. Go. Keep going. <laughs> so so how, going. how do – Say, say we find ourselves in that in that state. How do you break, you know, that that bondage in your life, or break that soul? It's a soul tie. That soul tie that keeps pulling and holding you back. Like every time you feel the push to go forward, whether it's in ministry or in business as well, because some of us can be so connected to their voice and their influence that it will have us in a state to where we feel like we can't do anything. We'll be stagnant because we're still waiting for either their approval or somebody that looks like them to approve us. How do you break that, break the, that bondage or, or break that stronghold in your life? Let, let me be transparent before you. It has to be God. Yes. What what I went through, um, even in this last relationship with Apostle Sims, and when I tell you, Apostle Sims is a phenomenal man of God. Um, mm-hmm. He is driven. He is he is brilliant in the scriptures. I I just I, he would sit and talk about stuff, and I'd be like, I don't I don't even know how you put all that together, but that is that is crazy. Uh, and I began to place him in front of God, mm-hmm. and I began to ask him what God was saying. And he checked me on it uh, a couple times. He said, "But you know the voice of God, so why are you asking me?" Mm-hmm. And I had realized that even my trip down there was putting man before God. It, let me let me tell you. Let me take the scriptures because I always the Lord always brings scriptures in 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 Exodus. Uh, Moses had brought the children out of Israel and brought them to the mountain, the same mountain that he saw God on. And the the first intention was to bring the children of Israel up the mountain to meet God. The children of Israel was afraid because of what they heard and what they saw. Mm-hmm. And so they Moses, he, they said, "Don't take us up there, for we'll die." <laughs> That's what God is saying, and and because of this, now listen to me carefully. God says, "I'll speak to you, and you speak to the people." Mm-hmm. There is, we have a problem. You talk about culture. We have a problem since the beginning of time of being afraid of God mm-hmm. because we thought. Help me, Holy Ghost. That God is angry with us. How can a benevolent being be angry with us when he, when this being knows the end from the beginning? Mm-hmm. There is that is 
give you an example. Now, I hope somebody's listening. This gonna help them. As a parent, if you know your child gonna eat that cookie that you left on that counter, when the child eats the cookie, you're not mad because you know that's what the child gonna do. And you're human. Mm-hmm. You are human, so you have finite understanding. God is a God of infinite understanding. That means that there's no limit to his understanding. So if he knows mm-hmm. our ears are beginning, if he knows the fiber uh, of, of hairs on our head, if he knows our DNA, why in the world would this God, which is a God of love, First John 4, be mad at us because we are being human like he created us to be? Mm-hmm. So we have to first divorce the fact that we see that God is angry at us. And if God is not angry at us, that means that we can go to him when we make mistakes instead of running from him because we're naked. Right. Who told you we're naked? Come on. Because if you were came to me, it wouldn't have been a problem. But the sin nature causes you to have a divide between me and you, and I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. And I know you're naked. You've always been naked before me. You've always been human before me. You've always been the person who made mistakes. You've never been perfect. I don't want you perfect. I love you as you are. And because you now feel that you have to stop me from loving you. And when we get over that, when we understand that God loves us, then we understand that God speaks to us. And we don't have to look for man to be okay with us because we know God is okay with us. Perfect. Now, do you believe that once you came to that realization, that's when your your authentic identity or um, you discovered who you were? Because I remember you said your first time in Columbus, you didn't know who you were. Yeah. Do you believe that that all of that helped you discover who you were? Yes. If I had never and, got on that bigger bus. And went mm-hmm. down to South Carolina and stayed. Now here, mm-hmm. let me say a little something about myself too. I'm just being so transparent on this live radio. Hope y'all don't take it back and be mad at me. Listen, I will You're run good. from a situation. Man. Since I have not <laughs> had stability in my life, it is it is easy for me to pack up and leave. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I'm laughing because I used to tell people it's an old movie, The Fugitive, Richard Kimball. Yeah, that yeah, used to be yeah. me. Like he, how he always was on the run. Anytime anything came up emotional for me or anything that that I would have to deal with, nope, time to go. <laughs> so I'm laughing as you're talking about this. So I understand. It. He must have packed. You hear me? I got boxes. Yes. And what I can't yes. tell me, I'll. Let, that's it. If, if I leave something, that's fine. I'll find, I, I'll find it on my on my new journey. So I do. I understand what you're saying. I, I've dealt where I kept running and running and running. But the awesome thing about it, and I tell people all the time, is that when when God has that mark upon your life, you can run as much as you want to. But all you're really doing is running around in circles. <laughs> you're running around in circles because eventually you're gonna find you're gonna end up right back where you have to face yourself. And, and be, you know, you're supposed to be. That I'm right sorry. Is, that right back is actually where you're supposed to be because he said he was right. deemed the deemed with the canker worm and the locust. And so you like, right. oh, I got to start off. No, you're in a new place. Nope. Nope. You're in the <laughs> right place. You're in the place you need to be because that's the only place that you're going to experience 
the transformation that you need to experience where you get rid of all that extra stuff, everything that they taught you and they said you should do and they said you shouldn't do and they said about you and they didn't believe about you. You get rid of all of that. All of that stuff is stripped back and you're standing there before God, as you said, naked and you're not ashamed okay. because you're just saying, God, into me see. Into me see. Let me take you back to the dream I had real quick. So I had a dream, mm-hmm. and I had a dream that I was um, that I was a warrior, and I was dressed in on a in an armor, kind of like a samurai soldier. And mm-hmm. I was walking through this room, and it was uh, it was gold, it was gold and green. It was like green marble. It was really beautiful, tall walls, but it was empty. It was a throne room, but it was empty, and it was one chair in the front. And I walked in. Feel the presence of my enemies around me, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I kept my armor on. And the spirit says, "Remove your armor." And I said to the spirit, "I said, there's enemies in here." And he said, "Remove mm-hmm. your armor." And so I began to strip my armor off until the only thing I had on was I it was later revealed it was a garment of praise, but it was a, 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 a almost like a slip. You know, my mom used to wear slips, uh, mm-hmm. clothes. It was mm-hmm. like that. And by that time that I got all the I was I was in front of the throne, and the Lord mm. said, "Now, since you are in my presence, naked, your enemies cannot touch you." Mm. And, and so that's where I live. That if I come to God naked, if I come to God every time I come to God, I say, "God, I don't know what I'm doing. I I know nothing." Socrates said, the, "The the wisest man realized that he knows nothing at all. I know nothing about God. God, the the right. the." the, the the magnanimous of God's nature is so big that my finite mind can understand a, a, a mitocum of his power and wealth. I know nothing about you. All I know is you said come. You said come. And so I come looking before you. Yes, I know I'm naked now because I ate the fruit. I know I'm naked. But mm-hmm. if I can come to you naked, I'll be all right. Mm-hmm. You see me. You see everything, and that's the lie that we give ourselves, that we think that God can see us, but he sees us. So let yourself off the hook. He see your nastiness. He see right. your needs. He see your proclivities, your propensities. He sees your addictions. Yes, God, he sees everything about you. Yet he loves you completely. Loves you in, in spite of it. Don't change nothing. No, no, no. Not even in sight of. He loves you because of it. Mm-hmm. It's a part of the reason why he loves you. You don't have to change a thing about yourself. I didn't know what he was saying when he wrote, when he allowed that girl to sing that song. That that in the song it says, "I love you before you knew it was love." Mm-hmm. I carried the cross. I saw it. I know everything about you. I know the sins that you are not yet going to commit. And you say you will never commit them, but you will. You will deny me. And I won't love you anything less. In fact, and I'm going to love you in spite of it. You'll be the first one I love. We, we, we're getting close to that. I think we only have like 10 minutes left. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, okay. So, uh, all right, here we go. My next question is, what's next next for Ignite Movement? Okay, we are in phase. <clears throat> we're in phase one, year two. Mm-hmm. 
So what we're doing now is now we're starting to develop. Uh, we're moving out of developing the structure, the business structure of the of the. We're a parachurch organization, so we're not a, we're not like a uh, a religious entity. Um, we're not like a uh, a denomination or a reformation. We're a parachurch mm-hmm. organization, so we're we're more free. Mm-hmm. So we're from creating structure. We've created our board. We've created our leadership in different areas. Now we're moving into our training and development phase. Um, we're moving into developing our conferences. Developing our uh, our uh, emerging leaders institute, our uh, shepherd school, our school of prophets and musicians. We're going into that. Um, the end result of this uh, area of uh, development for our institution is what I I, lo- I want to be the meeting place, and the meeting place is going to be a hub that will embody all of our. T- and in mm-hmm. and so my end result is that we will have mentors, we will have um, churches, we will have internships, we will have people who come in to learn how to be a worship leader, and then we will place them in the church and allow them to intern, and then we will release them into ministry. We will train them every step, the sitting, the standing, and the walking, and the gifts that God has called them to be in. That's, mm-hmm. that's the end. So, so the second phase here is now I'm establishing um, my institute, my leaders uh, in teaching and training. And so we're okay. going to do that. And then our next phase will be um, looking for that building. So we're praying now for the buildings because uh, I, I need a couple of buildings, one building for the meeting place, the other building for the Shiloh, which is the, the, the refuge for our leaders. There will be, we will have mandatory sabbaticals for our leaders where they go they will go and they'll be comforted they'll go and they'll even go through training themselves or even uh, counseling so they can continue to grow because the only way we're going to be able to do what we're called to do is we realize that we don't have it all and that even us as have to be healed and I just want to you know put a plug out there I encourage everybody to uh, visit the website I'm going to allow you to give all the information and everything I am a part of the Ignite movement, so I'm a little excited just hearing everything that's uh, going on with the Ignite movement. Uh, but I guarantee you, if you check it out, it will it will definitely um, transform your life, your ministry. And what I loved about the Ignite movement is because I recently uh, joined the Ignite movement. What separated them from any other movement to me was I watched their interaction with each other Online, It was almost kind of like, it may have been low-key stalking now that I think about it. I don't know if I want everybody to know that I was stalking. But I watched their interaction, and I watched how the support system that they were for each other, and what I loved about it was that everybody was authentic. If they were not putting on airs online, pretending to be somebody that they weren't, and I feel like that's when you can actually reach people when you are your authentic self. So I just wanted to put that plug in there real quick. I'm going to let you go ahead and finish because I want to know we got about six more minutes. What's next for James, the man and the leader? We talked about what's next for Ignite Movement. Now, what's next for you? Uh, Clifton, hang on a minute, yeah. James. We, we are at the five-minute mark according to the on-air clock, so – He's got to do it in about two minutes or less. Okay. There you go. Give 
two minutes or less, give us a quick synopsis about uh, what's next for you and give all your information so people can contact you. Oh, yes. What's next for me is learning how to uh, 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 rest. Uh, my kids demanding that I go on vacation and rest. Um, That's important. You know, I, you know, there's a difference between being busy and being productive. Yes. I always like to be productive, but at the same time, I need to learn how to enjoy life. And so my kids yeah. are doing that. My 36th birthday is coming up. I'm probably going to travel for that, go have fun, travel um, with some of my friends, and um, that's what's next for me, enjoying myself. Because the, perfect, flesh is not, the flesh is not evil. We've been taught for years that what God has created is evil. There's nothing evil about it. It's just all there for God's purpose. So we gotta be okay. Now, how can people how can people get in touch with you? Uh, I am on Instagram. My Instagram page is underscore JM Triplet. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, my my page is Apostle James Triplet. Uh, you can look me up on Facebook. Uh, check out our website, uh, ignitemovement.net. Uh, that is ignite i g n i t e m v m t dot net. Uh, you'll see all my awesome leaders on there. Uh, there's a place if you have any questions, if you want to join. Um, you, there's an application on there. You fill out the application. We'll have a conversation with you. We'll see if you're a good fit. We're not going to just have you come just to fill numbers. We want to make sure that we're able to pour into you and that you're able to grow. Uh, but yeah, reach out to me. Tell me hi. Tell me. Uh, I put videos on my personal page, uh, James Triplett, on uh, online, so you can also check that out as well. Awesome. James, we thank you for joining us. I thank those of you who have tuned in. I encourage you also to find me on so- all social media platforms. You can just type in Clifton Pettyjohn. You can also visit my website at www.cliftonpettyjohn.com. And as I always say, create a great day, walk with purpose, And by all means, execute your vision. See you next month. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. And Clifton, if you and James will hang on until this thing goes dark, um, I've got some instructions for both of you. Clifton, who are you going to have next week? Yes, next uh, next month it will be a young lady out of New Jersey. Her name is Keisha Brown. She is one of my mentees. She just released a book um, that deals with her story about her struggles with domestic violence and how she survived that, and now she's turned that pain into her ministry. She actually has a stage play coming out. So she's going to be on to talk about that. I'm excited about next month. Oh, I am too. That will be really, really good. So, ladies and gentlemen, you do not want to miss Transformation Radio with host Clifton Pettyjohn next month. And next month it will be on April. Hold on a minute. Get my book out. I have it written down, but I just can't get to my book. It will be on April the 19th, which is the third Friday. So, and, and, this last few seconds off the chain we'll be back i have taken a um a sabbatical as most of you know i lost jack back in october and didn't know i wasn't grieving and it hit me all of a sudden so y'all just bear with me and we will be back with off the chain
Okay, the um, the live show is over. What I wanted to tell you both is when this thing goes up into archives, I will post it on my page, Clifton, then I will tag you, and you can tag James, and then James okay. can put it out through his social media as well on his website wherever okay. he wants to put it. And then tomorrow it will go up, of course, on all the podcasts, and I will uh, post it on, on – on post. I can't even talk tonight – post the links. On my page and tag you, and then you can tag James, and we'll just keep this thing going. Absolutely. James, I don't think Clifton, I don't know if Clifton told you or not, but this show is heard in over 200 countries. We have a 250,000 person listening base. Wow. (laughs) I did did not inform him of that. (laughs) I was waiting until afterwards to do so. (laughs) <laughs> so he he didn't know that he's going to be heard all over the world <laughs> this, this thing goes up on YouTube And um, two podcasts on iHeartRadio On SoundCloud, on SpreakerFM.com TuneIn Radio, iTunes um, Oh my word Podcast.com and Podcast Garden And some third party podcasts That I don't put it up on that others do Wow. So you got yeah, she's a blessing. I'm telling you. She she has been a blessing to me. I did an interview with her, I think it was in June. She brought me back in September and then proposed the uh this opportunity um to me at the end of the broadcast and I'm so grateful for her. But I did want you guys I was glad that I didn't go into it while we were on the air, but I don't know if you heard him talk about the losses he experienced in that five-year span. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I thought about you when he said it. I wasn't going to say anything on the show, but afterwards I definitely wanted uh, to know if it was okay. If he Can he pray for you? Oh, absolutely. You could have said that on the air. I don't have a problem with that at all. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to uh, to make sure that it was okay because oh, uh, prayer is can you share with me? I think Before you did share. That I have to, I want to. I want to just uh, segue into that. When when I had to transport my husband to the hospital the, the morning he was dying, I prayed for somebody to come pray with me. And the nursing supervisor came to me and said, "Yvonne, would you like a chaplain?" I said, "Yes, I would." I said, "I've been praying for one." So in a few minutes, this gentleman comes up and he says, "What faith are you?" I said, "Does it matter?" I said, "I'm a member of the Church of Christ, but does it matter?" I just prayed to God for somebody to come pray with me and he sent you I said I don't care what faith you are just pray with me he said I'll be right back (laughs) (laughs) he was not expecting that because to me prayer is prayer prayer is prayer right so yes I, I would not have been offended at all anytime you you want to ask that question on live radio feel free Okay, I know. You know I'm going to ask first, but you know, you you've been, you've been letting me know it's, it's it's your show, Clifton. So I'm just going to go with the flow. There you go. It's your show, and 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 people will hear this in archives. And you know, I think we need more prayer in the world. Right. 
Right, definitely. And and the thing about prayer, which is so beautiful, uh, it, it doesn't change God's mind. It changes our posture to him. Yeah. And when we when we pray, we are aligning ourselves to His will, right. and it's 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 so beautiful that even in our humanity, even in this the these uh how we feel that we've lost somebody that filled our days, that was a habit to us, that was a a help to us, that was someone who we leaned on. They didn't even realize it as much as uh, when they're gone. Um, it's just that that makes us know even more how God feels about us. That, that is very true. You, you know what I mean? Like in our places that when we, when we are lost, when we are without without words, <laughs> when our prayers are just our tears on our on our faces, that he understands. You know what I mean? Like that changed my whole posture. I used to pray and be like, well, I don't want to pray because I feel like I'm begging God until relationship calls me to pray because I want to talk to him. <laughs> and, and God tells us to, to pray, to ask. He knows yeah. what we need, what we want, and what we desire, but he, he wants us to ask for it. Mm-mm, that's the truth. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it when people that love God come together. So do I. Yeah. So do I. That's why when when the, the chaplain said, "What faith do you?" I said, "Does it matter? Just pray with me." <laughs> he just, I've never seen a man without words before, but he was without words. <laughs> well, I just, he, didn't even, he didn't even know how to respond to it. No, he did not. I like to because jump right in. I, I go back to the old adage of um, the guy's drowning in the lake. And he's hollering, help me, help me. Well, they throw mm-hmm. something out there, and he doesn't grab it. And he's hollering, help. they throw something out, and he doesn't grab it. And then he mm-hmm. drowns, and, and he says, God, why? And you saved me. He said, I tried. You wouldn't reach out. Right. Wait, wait now. Watch out. Watch your voice. <laughs> you didn't reach out. Exactly. Your perspective thought that you could see something and it was and that would be good enough for you. You thought that you had the eyes of God. You thought that you understood God. You understood what right. you needed. I sent you what you needed. Right. If we mm-hmm. Yep. Lord so when us. that happened said But I'm Episcopalian, I said, I don't care. Pray with me. <laughs> Just pray with right. me. What happened? So he did. Mm-mm-mm. So I'm going to pray what? now Is that okay? That is fine You go right ahead James So Abba God We We thank you for your love yes. We thank you for community For communion For unity Even over The technology and airlines And the airwaves that we're using now Father we thank you That you have brought us into one room you brought us together with one accord. And you said where two or three gathered together in your name, you will be there in the midst. And we thank you that we feel you. We thank you that we know you. We know you in our suffering. We know you in our joy. We thank you that we know you in our sorrow. We know you in our loss. Father, today, I am praying 
for a beautiful woman of God who have lost something dear, lost something that was connected to her God, lost a piece of herself. Father, we understand that these things happen because we are temporal and finite beings, God, but it hurts. I believe that it hurts just as much as when you walk this earth and your brother Lazarus died. You were touched with our infirmities. You were touched with our calamities. You were touched with the same emotions that we feel. Lord, so I know that you understand where we are in this moment. I just pray that you send angels of peace now, peace in the sabbatical so she can regain her strength. Father, strengthen her hands and her feet. Strengthen her bones and her joints. Give her strength in her mind, strength in her heart. God, don't take the vision, Jack, away, but remind her ever so gently of the smell of the breakfast, the smell of the lunch and dinner, the reminder of the hand that touched, the arm that hugged. Remind her, God, when she's in her low places, she feels alone. That Jack has joined the cloud of witnesses and is praying for her every day. Oh, we love you. We call upon you. We pull upon your robe. We pull upon the hems of your garment. And we ask, God, that you bring us, make us whole. We don't want to skip past this time. We don't want to skip past this moment. We thank you for the tears, for you said you will bottom them up in, in vials of gold and pour them out as blessings. God, our tears that we fall, tears that fall, God, bottle them up for us. Tears that fall, God, you pour them out in blessings for others. God, we know we'll get over it. We know we'll be better for it. We'll never forget, but we'll be better for it. We'll remember and our heart will be heavy, but we'll be better for it. We thank you that he's with you, rejoicing in the heavens, dancing and singing. We'll be better for it. Lord, hold us now. When we don't feel like walking, hold us now. When we don't feel like moving, hold us now. Let us know that it's going to happen. Show us your love, God, and allow your love to carry us. And we'll say thank you. And we'll say amen in this song. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank All you, right. That was beautiful. Pleasure. All right, guys. They're going to cut All us right. off here. So I am going to um, say good night. I appreciate you both very, very much. And any time right. that you. you feel like an open-air prayer, Clifton, the floor is yours. Mm-hmm. All right. I know it now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. You thank are. Thank you. you, James. Thank you for your thank testimony. You, you know, we all have a story tonight. to tell. You are welcome. Amen. You are very welcome. And I will, I will get this up into archives, and then you guys share it, and let's get the word out there. Amen. All right. Well, sounds good to me. All right. Talk to y'all later. All, all right. right. Good night, guys. Good night. So I know you've heard me talk a lot about working with people in entertainment, 
and perhaps you don't necessarily work in entertainment. And if you do, you may not need a full overhaul at the moment. However, you may be facing a challenge or working on a project that you could use objective perspective or expertise on. Um, this is why I offer consulting. Here are the areas I can help you in. Branding, marketing, creative strategy, spiritual development, identity strategy, style and image, content strategy, entrepreneurship. I would love to work with you to navigate your challenge or to enhance your project. If you want to book a one-time session or inquire about a short-term consulting relationship, you can do both by visiting YourSupernormal.com. Let's get it.